You are now listening to the Master Jmehan Podcast. Episode 17, Mickey Mouse Programming. This episode may be deemed inappropriate for some listeners. If you have been abused or are a minor, you should stop now. This episode builds on the previous ones. This will be a difficult episode for some. We are not unsympathetic to this. We suspect that many of you have sensed it for a long time. But like any corruption or entry-level Luciferian lie, there is always just enough truth or perceived goodness to make the medicine go down, medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The sugar is needed or you would reject the medicine. Ouch! This is the karma, the royal secret. The schizophrenia, the doublespeak, the new math, the harmony. You have reached the mountain peak of Masonic instruction, a peak covered by a mist. The hint is in the royal secret, the true word, man, born of a double nature, of what we call good and what we call evil, finds the purpose of his being only when these two natures are in perfect harmony. Harmony, my brethren, harmony is the true word. It is designed to help you create cognitive dissonance. If you mix a little <laughs> Romney in your ice cream, you can believe the entire ice cream is good because part of it is good. In a most delightful way. But you will also be eating some <laughs> Romney. That stuff makes pure masculine seem like ginger beer, man. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome? Hmm. There were covens in Europe. That's what they're called. The congregation. They use blood in their rituals. And the blood that has the most power is baby's blood. And they don't just use the blood, they use the flesh, too. Rosemary, can't we just accept this as the new normal? Hollywood, to me, is sort of a branch of the CIA. I think it's just been placed with intelligence operations. Mind control really runs rampant in Hollywood among the musicians and the acting community. It's just everywhere. I pledge to be a better ally for the LGBTQ plus community. I and the leadership team are determined to use this moment on how we can take action. Well, the truth is different these days. It's more of a hunch you're willing to die for. No, it's not. If in some small way we have increased awareness, tolerance, and acceptance of gay-themed issues in the media, then we welcome that as a happy byproduct of our work. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> One of the Luciferian's biggest tricks is to set up a hero among us, making him more than human, nearly a demigod. Then once the mythology is strongly believed, they release the human dirt on the person to destroy hope. This is a subset of the Judas Clause. It feels like betrayal and teaches that it's okay to embrace one's harmony between good and evil and that no one is really good. We realize that you may soon be feeling this way during this episode, particularly if you have bought into the mythology. Disney magic. In this episode, we will explore mind mapping, some predictive programming, and mind control, known in the occult as Mickey Mouse programming. By stepping into the darkness, or as some handlers trigger their children and programmed sex toy himbos. Come to Mickey. Come to Mickey. Come to Mickey. Stated three times. Slide down to the basement with us! The child, the one you were after! Will you be quiet? Don't you think I'm aware of the situation? But the child may have escaped! Yeah, well, until we know for sure, we're gonna act like nothing happened, understand? You just get the machine up and running, I'll take care of the kid. And when I find whoever let it out, they're dead! Now, it's perfectly normal. Normal? What do you know about normal? What does anyone in this family know about normal? Now, wait a minute, young we lady. act normal, Mom. I want to be normal.
normal. The only normal one is Jack-Jack, and he's not even toilet trained. <laughs> Lucky. But if I know you, I know what you'll do. Yes, so it is, but why? Goodbye. No, no, wait. You can't go now, it's only... Oh, I must, please, please, I must. But why? Well, I, I, oh, the prince. Uh, I haven't met the prince. The prince? Mickey was supposed to be a rabbit. <whistles> Oswald the rabbit, to be exact. What's up with rabbits? Remember Alice in Wonderland? We really shouldn't be doing this. The rabbit is the ambassador of Lucifer in the occult. What a peculiar place to have a party. This is because the rabbit lives in the soil lane, which is a euphemism for the anus, the manure hole, the tunnel of death. And for that man there was a grave, and from that grave there grew a tree. The white rabbit symbolizes the light bringer, whom the occult gifts a child through sodomy, through the anus, the dirt tunnel. What a peculiar place to have a party. You know, Dino, we really shouldn't <coughs> be doing this. When their demonic gift, sometimes called an animal guide, is properly inserted, the victim will see a white flash in their brain. Say cheese! This rabbit ambassador is invoked when a wizard forces the spring. We force the spring. With his wand on those deemed worthy of transformation by a witch. A mother of darkness. <laughs> this same white rabbit, he's black in the movie Donnie Darko. Now this isn't where I was born. I was born in Kenya. Brings a basket, his scrotum, with his testicles. Easter eggs filled with a surprise. No, Michelle. The Obama is a trans, a transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. For the child to rebirth them into the forced spring, overseen by the mother of darkness. <laughs> In this case, Mother Isis Ishtar or Easter. Here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail. Hippity hoppity happy Easter day. Since this has absolutely nothing to do with our Christ conquering death, I have started calling Christian Easter celebratory season Resurrection Day. Why not? Let it annoy the pagans and morons among us. They are quick to annoy you and me. Little things like this may be all we can do to fight back with all that we have left. Right now it's too late. It's over for you, white race. Incidentally, these eggs are also understood in the occult to be pine cones. The same you find on the papal staff in the Vatican and all over Luciferiana. More on that at another time. The wizard rabbit, white, Kenyan, or playboy's gift up the soil lane allows a child access to wonderland, fantasy land, but really more like crazy land, the magic kingdom of mythos. Walter had originally wanted to make Alice's Wonderland cartoons. But when that had run its course, he created Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. When Walt discovered, due to a contractual oversight on his part, that he didn't really own the rights to Oswald, he returned to the Disney Brothers studio in a deep depression. We have all heard the made-up mythology of how Walt invented Mickey on a train ride home while wrapped in a near-celestial vision. This is Disney magical marketing mythological nonsense. 
The truth came out in 1993 when the Ub Iwerks family, getting a little tired of the exalted Disney myth, admitted the truth. Here is NPR celebrating the 50th anniversary of Ub's death, along with his contribution to animation. Fifty years ago today, an animator named Ub Iwerks died. He was never a household name, but he is responsible for some of Disney's greatest special effects, and he designed Mickey Mouse. Mickey is basically the child of two dads. He was the person who was doing most of the behind-the-scenes work, and when Walt was taking credit, Oob was the one who was denied credit. It's not like Walt Disney wasn't integral to the success of Mickey Mouse. He certainly was. In addition to defining Mickey's personality, he literally voiced the character for years. But that doesn't erase the fact that for decades, the collaboration between iWorks and Disney was mostly kept a secret. The two first met as teens in 1919 at a commercial arts studio in Kansas City, Missouri. Though at the time, Ryan says Disney was going by the name Walter Diz. It was actually iWorks who was like, just go by Walt Disney. You know, Ub was quiet, but a genius. And I mean, literally a genius. And Walt recognized that. In addition to being an extremely efficient and talented animator, Iwerks was able to solve literally any technical problem that was thrown his way. Disney, on the other hand, was an incredible storyteller. And when you put Walt and Oob together, they were able to do just about anything. But he only started getting proper credit for his contributions to the world of animation after his death, when his granddaughter, Leslie Iwerks, made a documentary about him. After realizing that what she read in animation history books didn't match up with the stories she had heard from her family growing up. I just wanted to clear that history. And I really wanted to also tell the story of Ub's contributions to Mickey Mouse. Behind every powerful mouse, there might be a Walt. But behind every Walt, there's probably at least one Ub. For NPR News, I'm Mackenzie Martin. The truth is that after having lost the rabbit, Walt returned to his team in near-suicidal depression. Ub sat the teary-eyed Walt down and told him that it was a simple matter to turn a rabbit into a mouse and that any current cartoons in the works with Oswalt could be quickly altered to mouse cartoons. While it is true that Walt out of it and decided to go with Ub's designs, he named the new mouse Mortimer Mouse. It's also true that Lillian Disney, Walt's undersexed wife, told him that Mortimer was a terrible name and said, use something like Mickey instead. Walt would have taken credit for her idea too, but she so loved to tell the story and the fact that Walt actually did care about her, although not physically, and did listen to her when he wasn't drunk or having another terrible bipolar spell. She may have been one of the very few people that he was actually scared of except for his blackmailers. But do note that Mortimer means Sea of Death. In this, it is one of the names of Lucifer. And what does it all mean? Oswald was Walt's not-so-clever wordplay on Oz-Walt. As a young man, Walt bought into the Oz books and Masonic de Mole programming. I am Oz! The great and powerful. Who are you? Who are you? Walt believed that he was Oz, the great wizard of imagination. He related to Oz as both a wizard and a charlatan. He was profoundly conflicted by his creative talents, while also being horrified of the darker side of his personality. He saw himself like Jekyll and Hyde. He even drew a self-portrait of himself as such, which occasionally pops up on the internet before being hided again from the public eye. Walt was mortified when MGM got the rights to the Wizard of Oz stories, as he desperately wanted to make them. He did later purchase them when MGM decided that it was not profitable to make a sequel. Few modern Americans have actually read the books, there are 14 books. They are very dark and very demonic. They were written for the Illuminati to program children and the public. We'll discuss them in more detail at another time. 
After Walt bought the rights, he made an announcement as part of his Mickey Mouse Club show that the studio was going to begin Oz movies. It was called The Rainbow Road to Oz. Here is a portion of that with some interrupting commentary just to beat a dead mouse. What is this? Well, it's sort of a book about Oz. Oh? Well, it isn't exactly a book. It's more of a shooting script. Shooting script? Well, it's like this, Mr. Disney. The studio owns all the Oz stories, right? Right. And we've got to think of our future. Now, I'm going to make a picture out of the Oz stories, but I always figured to make it as a cartoon. When? Takes you seven or eight years to make a cartoon feature, doesn't it? We have studied enough Illuminism together to recognize two of the characters that Walt was introducing. First, the male himbo. Well, you got me. What's your proposition? Well, first of all, we'll take most of the weight off your shoulders. We'll handle the songs for the pictures, the dances, sketches, right? Right! On the off chance we could get you to listen, we've prepared a couple of samples. First, the scarecrow. Remember the problem he had getting a set of brains? Well, in our story, he has trouble keeping them. A calico head with cotton brains They'll shrink, I think, if it ever rains Jiminy, criminy, criminy, jiminy What if it rains? When programming a biological male as a sex toy, the occult wants him to be friendly, obedient, submissive, sexy, and empty-headed. Note how water shrinks his brains. This is spellcasting. Are you starting to see how it works? But, perhaps the girl doll Walt was introducing is even more illuminating. Here's a happy little character. Dorothy meets her in Oz. She's called the Patchwork Girl. What happens with her? Patches, patches, pick some pretty patches. Put the pretty patches in the patchwork quilt. In the occult, a programmed child is segmented. She is as a quilt made of different colors or patches, a single whole made up of various parts. Remember our color programming? Sew and stuff with cotton, add some yarn for hair. One thing they've forgotten, a heart I do declare. No heart? The boy toy had no brain. You don't want your boy bots thinking and you don't want your girl toys feeling. But who needs a heart? Not me, I swear. Patches, patches, when you're made of patches, life's a gay and giddy holiday. This is the moral, the linguistic programming, the inner mantra to calm the horror inside, the escape concept. When you're made of fragments, life is more fun. Because with laughter and song, I'll go dancing along a happy little patchwork way. Remember this programming. Be happy. Just remember the good. We will come back to this very soon. After begging Walt to impregnate her a second time, and he could not, his wife Lillian agreed to an adoption. She wanted a sibling for Diane, their only daughter. Walt bought her a daughter. Friends of the Disney family were profoundly disturbed when they saw how Walt would bathe her and dress her and in a sense treat her like a dolly, even into her pre-teens. At her death, she was not buried in the family plot, but was cremated and her ashes were sprinkled in paradise. Ultimately, her part of the Disney estate amounted to about $400 million, and since her death, her children have been fighting over it. Their accusations about life as grandchildren of Walt include accusations of conspiracy, mental incompetence, and financial misconduct, plus insinuations of kidnapping and incest. Do an internet search for Walt Disney Family Feud if you want to read all about it yourself. The most disturbing of all, however, are the eyewitnesses who saw Walt aggressively kissing young male star actor Bobby Driscoll. He's the very talented boy who played Johnny in The Song of the South, and Jeremy Kincaid in So Dear to My Heart, and Jim Hawkins in Treasure Island. He's probably most famous today 
as the voice of Peter Pan in Disney's masterful version of the same. What's a, a kiss? Oh, well, uh, I'll show you. Many adults who saw Walt and Bobby together were profoundly disturbed by their interactions. They said that Walt was completely mesmerized by the boy. Bobby was the very first actor that Walt put under contract and would frequently sit him on his lap when they were together. During the filming of Song of the South on March 4th, 1947, to celebrate Bobby's ninth birthday the day before, Walt had a huge cake delivered to the set. He came down personally to present it. And Ruth Warwick, who played Sally in the film, said, We'll let her speak for herself. Walt gave Bobby a kiss. It wasn't on the cheek. It was a big, wet sloppy, one right on the mouth that lingered far too long. It was inappropriate and disturbing. Later, I started hearing stories about them, but I don't want to go into that. You see, I want to continue to work in Tinseltown. She knew what Kirk Douglas learned when he felt that Walt had misused his children's imagery and attempted to sue, but gave up. He said, You can't sue a god. And then he dropped the case. While filming So Dear to My Heart, Bobby befriended fellow actors, Beulah Bondi and Burl Ives. He confided in these two like parental figures on set. Later, when Bondi and Ives were discussing Bobby and Walt, Beulah Bondi said that she feared that Walt's attention to the boy was excessive and concerning. Ives looked her straight in the eye and said, Excessive? I have another word for it. Then he said to her, Walt's little boy toy is a tragedy just waiting to happen. All of Bobby's films for Walt made a fortune, and many at the studio said that no one could turn old Grumpy Bear around as fast as little Bobby could. They all called it a love affair behind Grumpy Bear's back, of course. When bisexual film producer Howard Hughes saw Bobby's films, he asked Walt if he could borrow his boy to play the child star in his thriller film, The Window. Walt allowed it. On screening the picture, Did you tell your parents about this? Oh, no, sir, never. They, they think I'm always making things up. You know, son, it's a pretty serious thing to make something like this up, don't you? Oh, yes, sir, I know that. I'm not making it up. Hughes hated it. He told the director, It's a lousy picture. No one will want to see this piece of shit. Send this no-talented Driscoll kid back to Disney so he can resume pounding the kid's ass. Hughes ordered the film buried. But when his staff encouraged him to release it, it was another huge Bobby hit. In fact, Bobby was presented with an Oscar for Outstanding Juvenile Actor of 1949, in part because of this film. After handing him the Oscar, presenter Donald O'Connor warned him that soon he would be reaching puberty and to be very careful. It is a sad fact that most pedophiles are sexually attracted to children of a particular age range and not really an individual child at all. Most pedophiles are not interested in children older than 14. When Bobby turned 15, Walt dumped him cold. And when Bobby went to his office to find out what had happened, he was refused admittance. Walt wanted nothing to do with him at all. Unable to get movie work, he did do some TV where he became close friends with Ronald Reagan's first wife, Jane Wyman. Bobby confided many things to her, and she later told friends. I've had several long talks with Bobby. He is emotionally in trouble and needs help. There was something going on between Walt and Bobby, something that's been hushed up, something that should be investigated. Oh. I abhor child abuse. Ann Baxter, who may be most famous for playing Nefertiri in Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments, also knew him and said, I never met a child who talked like Bobby. 
He was highly sexed. Once he told me that he couldn't wait to grow up so he could finally have sex with girls. Oh. Well, get on with it, girl. Uh, my name is Wendy. Uh, Wendy Mora Angela Dawson. Wendy's enough. Oh. I gave him my phone number and told him to call me in 10 years. He made me promise not to change my number so he could get in touch with me a decade later. When some neighbor boys called him Disney's fag and asked if he wanted to suck them off like he would Uncle Walt, Bobby grabbed a gun and pistol whipped one of the boys. He was arrested but released and soon got into drugs. Needing drug money, he forged a check and was arrested. He was sent to the Men's Narcotic Rehabilitation Center in Chino, California. There, he was raped repeatedly and introduced into what he called the darker side of homosexual life. He also said, It did no good to complain because the jailers saw the rapes as part of the punishment that a little fag deserved. Once released, he made several attempts to reconnect with Walt, but nothing he did made any difference. He said, I was dropped like garbage when I was no longer a cute little kid and I didn't appeal to him anymore. Afterward, Bobby had a number of homosexual liaisons and wrote his memoirs. Those who read them said, his charges in the book were sensational. The major accusation is that his once beloved Uncle Walt would sexually molest him at the studio. No one dared print his book. You can't sue a god. By the age of 30, Bobby had vanished. Over a year later, his mother found out what happened to him, when after a lengthy search, she was able to match his fingerprints with an unknown body that had been found in a New York warehouse. Two teenage boys had been exploring the abandoned structure and found the corpse of a dead man who had overdosed on something. The police took the body, fingerprinted it, and then buried it in a mass grave on Hart Island. It became his never-never land. His mother said, Bobby loved Walt Disney and would do anything that he ever told him to do. And so we asked the question, just what did Uncle Walt tell him to do? He only forgot one thing. What's that? Mickey Mouse isn't here. Oh, that's right, Mickey Mouse. Huh? Here I am, Walt. Well, hi, Mickey. I didn't see you come in. Oh, I've been here all the time. The ultimate goal of satanic Mickey Mouse programming is to facilitate Oz programming, which we have not yet discussed in detail. But in brief, and to oversimplify, Oz programming is designed to take us into the modern age without the need for Christianity. Once we have embraced Lucifer's plans for our modernity, the next phase is to prepare us for Armageddon, and lastly for the satanic version of a one-world government, Zion Utopia, Emerald City. You know that we have come to honor with the Norman Cousins Global Governance Award Walter Cronkite. Our failure to live up to our obligations to the United Nations is led by a handful of willful senators they pander to the rest of the religious right wing. That we should have a world government, but only when the Messiah arrives. <laughs> Any attempt to achieve world order before that time must be the work of the devil. Well, join me. I'm glad to sit here at the right hand of Satan. <laughs> which Walt referred to as the Epcot Center. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. It appears that Walt altered his view on life from his Christian Church of England upbringing to masonry when he found companionship and meaning as a young man in the Masonic Demole Club for boys. In short, all Illuminati infiltrated organizations have the end goal of turning this planet openly over to Lucifer and crowning him openly as the king of the world, Adol Jerusalem. They want to do this because they believe the mythology they are taught. It is important to understand that these do not see themselves as evil, but merely more highly illuminated. They see most of humanity and themselves just as John Todd Collins originally did. Remember this? I always thought that witchcraft was just witchcraft. There was nothing more to witchcraft 
than just casting spells and that we were smarter than the Christians and other religions because we really knew who the gods were and we were born with special powers because our ancestors had passed them down to us and all the little stories they like to tell us. Luciferians love symbology and word plays. And sure enough, when color technology came to motion pictures, Walt placed his black and white mice, Mickey and Minnie, in red pants. Remember this? Walt's paid rent boys would later say that he wasn't really into, but that he would pay muscular young GIs for the right to play their magic Peter Pan flute. This is the pagan understanding of the symbol. This is the real reason he built the firehouse with its pole on Main Street, USA. Now, uh, Daisy, will you tell us what it is, please, that the maypole represents? What a peculiar place to have a party. We really shouldn't <coughs> be doing this. He also kept at least two secret apartments in Los Angeles for... <laughs> ...as well. To his credit, all his boys were quick to come when he played them, or paid them, I mean. They all said that Walt was a really great mark. meaning that he always paid and tipped them well for their full-service requirements. Hey, musically endowed boys need to pay their pipers too, you know. Shh! He'll hear you! And Mickey's yellow shoes. Why yellow? Here's Walt's version. Follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow brick road, follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road, follow the rainbow over the stream, follow a fellow who follows a dream, follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. Follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow brick road. 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 Note the changes to the MGM version of the song. Follow the rainbow over the stream. Follow a fellow who follows a dream. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. Who is the fellow that we are to follow? It's the ambassador of the king of the sea of death, the one who has the dream. These lyrics were not a part of the Oz movie by MGM. So why was it added here by Disney? Obviously, the message is to follow Walt. Who's the leader of the club that's made for you and me? M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E Mickey Mouse 
Remember that harmony is the royal Illuminati secret. You have reached the mountain peak of Masonic instruction. Remember? The hint is in the royal secret. Harmony. We play fair and we work hard and we're in harmony. Is the true word in the royal secret. Who's the leader of the club that's made for you and me? Which makes possible the empire of true Masonic brotherhood. In Mickey Mouse programming today, the goal is to compartmentalize masculinity. Mickey is the model. He is the man-boy, the Peter Pan, the castrati. As the replacement for the Oswald rabbit, he's the one who lives in the dirt hole. He is a submissive until triggered, and then he has red rage under the surface. Hey, Julius! Let her go! Happy anniversary, Minnie. <laughs> You're so romantic. This is the major aspect of Mickey Mouse programming for males and male alters, whether the host be LGBTQLI, excuse me, plus. I don't like you either. As an example of the overriding goals of Mickey Mouse programming, one of Bob Hope's programmed sex toys, Susan Ford, had some of her programming at Disneyland. It started when she was five years old and continued often afterward, especially on birthdays and other special anniversaries. As you hear her account, remember, it is typical for a normal person to spend their special anniversary dates with parents and family and one's father. These are her words. When I was five years old, my mother and father took me to the newly opened Disneyland in Anaheim, California. As we walked down Main Street, we ran into Walt Disney and my father stood aside as Walt Disney, larger than life to me, bent down and shook my hand. He told me that if I would write to him, he would write back to me. I didn't consciously remember anything else after that. What happened next, though, as I later recalled, was that Walt Disney looked at my father with eyes that said important things I couldn't understand. My father then led my mother in the other direction and I was left alone with Walt Disney. My parents never said goodbye or anything, they just left me and walked away. I was terrified and confused at realizing that my parents just disappeared. Walt took me to an office, lifted me upon a big desk that had a glass piece on top, and told me that he was my real father. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed me. I am your father. Search your feelings, you know it to be true. No! No! He said, 
The Mickey Mouse Club was my real family, where I really belonged. Everyone was always telling me I belonged to a different family than my parents and I didn't understand, it was all very confusing. Walt Disney seemed nice but I wasn't with him very long. He called another man in and that man took me by the hand and led me away. This man was a very bad man and he really scared me. He took me into another room and gave me those Viewmaster box glasses to look into. He showed me pictures in them that were so scary that other parts of my broken mind had to come to see them. It was way too much for a little girl to see. Dead things, cut up bodies, dead cats skinned with big eyeballs and their tails cut off, people cut up, that sort of thing. We had that toy at home, but mine had Disney cartoon pictures in it. This event involved several of my personalities. Next, the man took me to scary rides and poked me with needles in my waist and legs while he said things during the Alice in Wonderland ride. Like, This is not really happening. I am not really sticking this needle in your leg. You are just like Alice. You also eat the large mushroom and feel funny. This is not real. He kept laughing and acting like all this was fun and games and really amusing, but it was terrifying and confusing to me, and I couldn't understand why he was hurting me. Parts of me split off as they withstood the abuse and I pushed the experiences deep into my subconscious mind as my programming dictated. Many times, Susan's programming torture sessions took place when a ride was temporarily closed down for repair or routine maintenance, even when the park was open. Often a VP host or Mickey policeman would flash a badge and take her to the front of the line. I was taken on the jungle boat ride at Disneyland at night. It was very dark and the ride had been temporarily closed so no one was in line as my parents guided me through the area where people normally waited to enter the ride. We were all alone and I was terrified, anticipating what was to occur next. I had learned early on and knew at a very deep subconscious level that my parents were of no protection to me. Instead, they were often the very ones that delivered me to very terrifying people, experiences and places. This night was no different. I was taken to the very back of the boat and a man in a dark suit emerged and said, I will take it from here. At which point my father took my mother by the elbow and escorted her robotically away. I was very afraid. Laura! The man called out. Laura was my school personality who was programmed to be cooperative and helpful. He said, Laura, I need your help so that things will run very smoothly tonight. Yes, sir. I replied, now switch to Laura. I want you to turn around seven times and I will be tying a rope around your waist so we don't lose you here tonight. I couldn't imagine how I was about to get lost on this big boat but I complied as he tied the rope around my waist, and as commanded, I began turning as he counted. One, two, buckle my shoe, three, four, shut the door. He meant the door to my mind. Five, six, pick up sticks, in, seven will do the trick. I didn't know what the trick was, but I was soon to find out. Here, now you just sit down here. As he pointed to a place at the back of the boat, while he held on to me with the rope like I was a dog on a leash. Before I knew exactly what was happening, he lifted me up and plunged me into that cold, dark water. As I hit the water, I was sure that the alligators that I'd seen earlier that day on the jungle cruise were going to get me and eat me alive in the dark. The boat was going and I was being dragged behind it. I held on to the rope so that I could stay facing forward. Triggering my world of Oz programming, the man yelled, Lions and tigers and bears! Oh my! Then pointing into the dark water near me, he tapped into my Peter Pan theme when he warned, I believe there's an alligator there on your left. No, I mean on your right, right there behind you. He's swimming right up behind you on your other left. 
Now do you understand why that stupid alligator swallowed a clock? Cutting your hand off was only a childish prank, you might say. Aye, but throwing it to that crocodile, that cursed beast liked the taste of me so well, he's followed me ever since, licking his chops for the rest of me. <laughs> He'd have heard you by now, Captain, <laughs> if he hadn't swallowed that alarm clock. But now when he's about, he warns you, as you might say, with his tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Never smile at a crocodile. No, you can't get friendly with a crocodile. Don't be taken in by his welcome grin. He's imagining how well you'd fit within his skin. Say good night, not good day. Clear the aisle and never smile at Mr. Crocodile. Smee! Smee! Oh, save me, Smee, please! Don't let him get me, Smee, please! Don't let him get me, Smee! Smee! I hear him. He's coming. Oh, no. Not the hourglass game again. Are we ready? Please don't make us watch your stupid hourglass and scare us to do what you want. We're tired of your sick games. We're now in a very, very dangerous situation where if you don't do what I want for you to do, then uh, the meat axe falls. Not the meat axe. <laughs> Boy. You may call me Tick-Tock. What is your wish, O Master? Oh, Dinah. It's just a rabbit with a waistcoat and a watch. Oh, my fearing whiskies. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Are you starting to see how it works? The clock is necessary to invoke panic and fear. Remember, people act out of fear. Fear is faith in the occult. It is the power force for action. Fight and flight. Do, don't think. Obey, or else the fear will come true. She continues. I was frantically panicked, and in an attempt to make it all go away, I squeezed my eyes as tightly shut as I could and held on to the rope for dear life. You're a very strong little girl. He called out. Just like your father told me you were. You know, the survival of the fittest. <laughs> then he began to reel me back in and lifted me up by the rope as I climbed over the railing to get back on the boat. You passed that test with flying colors. Your father said that this test would be easy for you. Is he gone, Smee? Aye, Captain, all clear. Nothing to worry about. Oh, Smee, Smee, I can't stand it any longer. I tell you, I can't. No, I can't no, 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 Captain. <laughs> Just relax. You could fly like Tinkerbell does. The man then said. Across the sky at night attached to this rope like you are now. Should I leave it on so that you can fly with Tinkerbell tonight? High in the sky? No, sir. I replied looking down at the rope and shivering. He laughed really loudly. You know that you fly with her every time you see her fly. You fly high, high away from all the things you think you remember here. But none of those things really happen. They are all just figments of your imagination. Do you know what figments are? I shook my head no. Figments are fruit that you eat. And you have enjoyed all the rides here tonight and had a lot of fun and now it is almost time for you to go home. You know, like Mickey says in the song, now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. -E. Yes, I said, now in total hypnotic, robotic state. He said, When you see Tinkerbell and all the beautiful fireworks here tonight, you will remember the good and only the good things that happened here today and tonight. All the good will float up into your conscious mind just like Tinkerbell flies high in the sky. So will all the good things that happened fly high up in your conscious mind. You have had the best day here at Disneyland and you want to return as soon as you can for more fun. 
They always hurt me real bad if I made a mistake. I tried my best. It seemed like I had to stay at Disneyland for a long time, but at the end of the long day, I got to have a pretty balloon that I looked at as I laid in the back seat of the car all the way home. I was devastated, exhausted and out of it during the ride back to Woodland Hills, but looked up at the pretty Mickey Mouse ear balloon or the Mickey Mouse balloon within a balloon, before I finally fell into a long deep sleep. We honor Susan for her courage. She will have more to say to us on this and on many other things. When entering the Illuminati, Walt was told that their highest god is Ahura Mazda. Remember that Masonry teaches that they are the culmination of Solomon's wisdom. The Bible says that Solomon's greatest mistake in believing that he was wise was his circumscribing all religions into one whole. A careful study of Masonic rites and lectures will quickly show that they still believe that falsehood. In believing that he was Oz, Walt also believed that he was the Maitreya. Go and do an internet search for Maitreya. M-A-I-T-R-E-Y-A. He'll hear you. And look at the various imagery that comes up. Note the face, the mustache, and Matria's Mickey Mouse ears. No one under Walt's employ was allowed to wear a mustache but Walt. But literally millions of kids joined the family. Himbos and bimbos. We will have more on this. But it's time to empty your head, shrink your brains, and go back through the water curtain. A calico head with cotton brains They'll shrink, I think, if it ever rains Jiminy, criminy, criminy, jiminy What if it rains? Rationale for fair use of copyrighted items used Fair use law allows fair use when copyrighted material is being used to make a specific educational, research-based, scholarly, and or critical comment on the work being used. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. <laughs> we did it! It was so much fun! Thanks for spending time with me. Till next time we can play, have a Mickey-rific day! <laughs> Masters Nehan. We'll continue.